Normal broadcasting has been discontinued. Coming to you from Portland, Oregon. The sports business capital of North America. Keep your radio tuned to this frequency. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Now, your host. I tell you, I've never seen anything like that guy. Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week. We're back to talking sports business this week after dedicating last week's show to the 20-year anniversary of the 1989-90 Loyola Marymount men's basketball team. Hope you had a chance to listen to that podcast. You can go to sportsbusinessradio.com and do so if you missed it. All right, our show this week, next segment, we're going to give you the headlines of the week. In segment three, Paul Swangard, the managing director of the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. We're going to talk Tiger Woods and his brand. We're going to talk about can the NHL capitalize on Olympic hockey if they already missed that opportunity. And then we'll also talk about expanding the field in the NCAA tournament. That's coming up with Paul Swangard in segment three. In segment four, Rick Buecher, ESPN's NBA insider, the guru of all NBA. We're going to talk about the summer of 2010, the free agency market. We're also going to talk about the collective bargaining agreement and the NBA. You're not going to want to miss that conversation. That's coming up in segment four with Rick Buecher. A couple of other notes. Visit my sports business blog or download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. You can become our Facebook friend. Follow me via Twitter. I'm at SB Radio. Joined in studio by our producer, Bobby Corser, and by Nathan Roach. Uh, Nathan, reports are that Tiger Woods will be back on a golf course in the next two to three weeks. I think this is good for the PGA Tour because the ratings have been down, the attendance at events have been down, and casual fans that weren't really following Tiger before, they're going to follow his compelling story. Well, I think it's great for the PGA Tour. What... What I question is whether or not it's great for Tiger Woods, and I say that only because does this make it less believable that he's really sorry? I mean, if he takes a whole year off, that may, that's a statement right there that he means business and he wants to repair his family and his personal life, but he's coming back after four months. So I question what this is going to do for his image still because he's coming back sooner than everybody thought he would. Well, we'll talk about that. Also, Tiger brings a PR expert, not us, but someone who has served time in the White House into his camp. We'll tell you who that is Not George next. Bush. And then a big, and I mean big, crowd expected for Manny Pacquiao's fight in Dallas this weekend. How big? We'll tell you. That's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. This is Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start, at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. As the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry, the Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training, sports business curriculum taught by industry experts, and rich out-of-classroom experiences, including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center, 
passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. It's time for this week's Sports Business Radio headline, sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit warsawcenter.com for more information. Headline number one, numerous reports that Tiger Woods is going to be returning to golf either at the Bay Hill Invitational or the Masters, both of which occur in the next few weeks. Now, Tiger Woods has not played since November 15th when he won the Australian Masters in Melbourne. Twelve days later, he crashed his SUV into a tree near his Florida home, setting off revelations that he's been cheating on his wife, and we all know what happened from there. Now, Tiger recently returned from family therapy in Arizona on February 28th. He's been getting into a routine of fitness and practice. He's been working with Hank Haney, his swing coach, and he's been on the practice range. Also, this is interesting, two golf sources say that former presidential press secretary Ari Flesher, who helped craft Mark McGuire's return to baseball from his self-imposed exile following allegations of steroid use, has been working with Tiger Woods to chart a course for Woods' return to professional golf. Now, I'll I'll start with that first, Nathan. Um, You know, Glenn Greenspan, who headed up the PR efforts for Augusta National for a long time, has been Tiger Woods' publicist for the last year and a half or so. And as we've talked ad nauseum on this show, I think we've learned that Glenn Greenspan has no idea what he's doing. He's in over his skis. He's handled this horribly from a PR standpoint from the day it happened back in November. I wonder why Ari Flesher, who is in-house at IMG, where Mark Steinberg, Tiger's agent, resides. Why wasn't Ari Flesher consulted from day one? Because I really think if Ari Flesher was on board with Tiger from day one, this would have played out completely different from a PR standpoint. I, I don't know what he can what he can really do aside from do Tiger's PR moving forward. The significant stuff has already happened. So the rest of this stuff is just steps of getting back in the right direction. But the significant stuff has already happened. It should have been handled much differently. It should have been handled differently, but I don't know that the significant stuff has already happened because when Tiger comes back, especially if it's at Bay Hill, which is not nearly as enclosed as the Masters as far as media credentials go, he's going to have to do a press conference. He's going to have to take questions. And I think that Ari Flesher, who's used to putting – presidents in front of the firing squad is going to be able to coach Tiger Woods in a much better capacity than Glenn Greenspan. But I think that had Flesher been there from the get-go, the firestorm would not nearly have been as great, and this could have all been prevented. Bobby? I think he's more of a firefighter than anything, and I agree with Nathan. The firestorm would have been a lot less. But the thing with Ari is he has connections that maybe Greenspan doesn't. He will be able, I think, to really kind of get Tiger out there to the names it should be. Tiger will have to appear on the Golf Channel, ESPN, Oprah, and all these, and do individual one-on-ones because, in all honesty, yes, it's fair that the general media will have a chance to talk to him, but you're only going to be able to hear Tiger's side when he has the one-on-one. Well, and when I heard this story this week, it only reaffirms the stories that I've heard from my sources, which I've talked about on this show and tweeted about, which is that Glenn Greenspan... And Mark Steinberg from IMG were not on the same page from day one with PR strategy. So obviously, Mark Steinberg has now been able to convince Tiger Woods, look, we have Ari Flesher in-house here at IMG. You need to be using him. And now finally, Tiger is on board with that strategy. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Last note on Tiger. 
EA Sports announced this week that Tiger Woods is going to share the cover of his Tiger Woods PGA Tour 2011 video game with golfer Rory McIlroy. So it's Tiger Woods Golf, but he's sharing the cover with Rory McIlroy, I can imagine that Tiger's probably not thrilled with that. No, and Rory was a little bit critical of Tiger about a month ago when all of this was coming out, like a lot of golfers on the PGA Tour were. So this is shocking to me. That's that's your brand that you're now going to share a cover with, with Rory McIlroy, who's only been on the tour for a couple years. Now, EA Sports president Peter Moore said this week that having two players on the cover was, quote, something that we had planned last fall when we finalized our Ryder Cup deal. This year we're going to be featuring online team play. So, you know, he's trying to do a little damage control there, I think, with Tiger, but it's pretty clear it's Tiger Woods Golf. Why is someone sharing the cover with Tiger? That's a slap to Tiger. Our next headline, you guys are going to like this. According to the Sports Business Journal, CBS Sports is going to show the semifinals and championship game of the NCAA men's basketball tournament in 3D marking the network's first foray into 3D TV and the latest high-profile sports event to be shown in the enhanced format. The network has struck a deal with Senna Dime Digital Cinema Corp. to show the final four games in 100 movie theaters nationwide. CBS, meanwhile, is sold out of nearly all their commercial inventory. Are you guys going to go to a theater and watch it in 3D, or are you going to watch it home on uh, on TV? Well, I might have to go to a, 3D, a theater and see it in 3D, but let's face it, in a couple years from now, We'll be able to watch everything in 3D, so I don't know if I'm going to jump at that cause just yet. Uh, I'll be sitting on the couch in front of the 50-inch flat screen I have at home watching in high def. So, uh, yeah, 3D is cool, but i got to wait till it becomes mainstream. Couldn't agree more with Bobby. I'm good with HD. I don't need 3D. I don't need all the gadgets. Have you seen Avatar, though? I mean, come on. Have you, you know seen what? Avatar? I haven't seen ah, Avatar, that's exactly and why. I have no desire to see Avatar. And obviously the people involved with the Oscars had no desire to see Avatar either quickly a movie in 3d versus live sports in 3d it's completely different so you can't use that analogy whatsoever our next headline manny pacquiao is fighting joshua claudia at cowboy stadium in front of a crowd of forty thousand people now if pacquiao can win this fight and floyd mayweather can beat shane mosley we may still get to see the fight that everyone wants to see mayweather versus pacquiao and it would break all kinds of pay-per-view and revenue records for a boxing match. But, uh, you know, it's interesting. Jerry Jones wanted Pacquiao Mayweather at Cowboy Stadium. He has Pacquiao Claudie. They're trying to build this up as a big fight. You know, much like the NBA All-Star game where they got 100,000-plus people in there for that game. Now they want to have 40,000 people in there for a fight. Uh, you know... I guess it'll be cool. I don't know. No, I, I mean, imagine being that 40,000th person that's way, way up far away watching a fight. I mean, it's a little bit far away for a fight. Yeah, I think so. But, you know, there's probably a lot of people coming over from the Philippines that uh, can sit in the cheap seats if they like, and they'll be able to afford a ticket. They're not going to have to pay $1,000 for a ticket like you might in the MGM Grand. So it'll be a cool experience for them to see uh, their countrymen do his thing. Our next headline, the New Jersey Nets this week hosted a groundbreaking ceremony for the Barclays Center at Atlantic Yards in Brooklyn. The building is scheduled to open at some point in 2012. This deal seems like it's been discussed for a decade. Finally, they got a shovel in the ground this week. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a newer, shinier building than Madison Square Garden. And I think uh, 
you know, it's going to be a pretty cool project that could change the fortunes of the Nets. Yawn, yawn. Wow, you're not that excited about it. All right, last note. William Wesley, otherwise known as Worldwide Wes, you might go, who in the world is he? He's been a green tree mortgage broker, but this guy has better contacts than anyone in all of basketball. He's very close with LeBron James. He's very close with John Calipari. This, according to Seth Davis this week at SI.com, Worldwide West is going to become an agent at CAA. Tell you what, that makes CAA very, very strong in the basketball area as if they weren't strong enough going forward. All right. Coming up next, Paul Swangard, the Managing Director of the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. He's going to join us. Tiger Woods, his brand, will it ever be the same? We'll discuss next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. It's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days. It's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience. Sports Business Radio can help you, though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new Sports Executive Speaker Series events, which feature a conversation with a key decision maker from the world of sports in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big-name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio. This is Sports Business Radio. We are back and we're joined by our good friend Paul Swangard, the Managing Director of the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Paul, how are you? I'm very good, Brian. Always good to be on. Thank you. I was at the uh, center recently speaking with some of the students. Enjoyed that very much. You, uh, you you bring a, a level of sophistication to our adjunct faculty. Wow. Well, thank you. It's always fun. I mean, you have some very, very bright students, I will say that. Uh, well, and it's, uh, it's you know, great uh, kind of hallmark of the program that we're able to uh, combine sort of the traditional academic training that uh, – some of our faculty members who have spent their lives researching and studying the business of sport, and then you know the the applied basis of bringing in uh, practitioners like yourself to bring some real world context, and uh, you know the notion of uh, PR and the role that plays in the current state of sports business is uh, well, you could you could have run a ten week class. Uh, <laughs> no kidding, very easily. Um, let's start there. I mean, one of the things I talked about with your students, Tiger Woods, how he's handled his PR crises that he's been undergoing since November. Well, we learned this week that uh, Tiger is most likely going to be returning to the course in the not-so-distant future. So here's my question to you, Paul. Tiger's brand, is it ever going to be the same? We saw Kobe Bryant, you know, he was great, and then his brand got tarnished, and now he's made a comeback. I don't know if it's as good as it was before, but it's pretty darn good. Is Tiger going to have a renaissance, or is his brand uh, pretty well tarnished? Well, I I think Tiger needs to have what Kobe had, which is the equivalent of an 82-point night, uh, which was one of the ways in which Kobe reestablished his uh, his interest and credibility with his fan base uh, once he 
survive those allegations in Colorado. You know, people want to see Tiger, and they want to see all these athletes that are involved in these uh, scandals to do what it was that got them interested in that person in the first place. So, you know, the sooner he gets on the course, the better. The sooner he performs at the level that we've grown accustomed to, uh, the better. And if he struggles, uh, you know, the, the brand will suffer uh, as a result. But, I, you know, I would suspect uh, knowing the kind of competitor that he is and, and the level of, uh, uh, of quality that uh, he's been able to play the game of golf for so many years, that uh, if he has focus and, and he's ready to come back with a uh, uh, a plan of playing at the highest level, that'll be the best thing that his brand could uh, could hope to have at this point. You know what's interesting is the perspective of the fan in the United States. When we were over in China a few years ago, I broke off from the trip and spent a day with Kobe Bryant. And, you know, I followed him around to his press conferences and to some of his appearances, and I asked some of the Chinese journalists and some of the Chinese fans what they thought about Kobe Bryant. They didn't care about his personal life at all. All they cared about is, is the guy a champion and does he have cool product? And I wonder, you know, is there a segment of the population in America and then obviously the rest of the world that thinks the same thing about Tiger? I think so, you know, and that's a good point to bring up because I think, uh, we, you know, we oftentimes focus on what the uh, the transgressions mean for the market of the United States, and you know, most sports business people would tell you that you know the real opportunity is beyond our borders right now, and you know, China presents a unique situation in that so much of the media that is over there is is somewhat filtered and and in some cases you know the rank and file you know fans over there may not be fully aware of what's been going on given uh you know their access to uh you know to a free and open press but you know i, I think in those markets where it's uh, it's such a unique opportunity to even have some exposure or uh, proximity to these kinds of stars that they maybe look past that uh Probably Kobe had more of an advantage in China because the game of golf is is still in sort of its growth phase, whereas in China, you know, you don't have to walk too far to find a, a very uh, passionate NBA fan. But uh, you know, Tiger, I think will, you know, will rebuild and 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 again back to what we were talking about a moment ago. If he plays the level that uh, people are accustomed to, then I think things will will work themselves out. It just will be you know, a different set of brands that will choose to associate with him moving forward, much to the similar case that we've seen with Kobe, where some of the non-endemic brands like McDonald's are probably, you know, going to continue to be uh, at an arm's length from guys like Kobe, just given the fact of, uh, even though he was never convicted, the allegations are certainly something that uh, a brand like McDonald's would not want to be associated with. I was down in Phoenix a few weeks ago. I went to the Phoenix Open. I just wanted to poke my head into a PGA event and attendance down sharply at the Phoenix Open. TV ratings are down this year without Tiger. Do you think with Tiger's return, the PGA is going to enjoy a tremendous amount of coverage because this really is a compelling story? What's Tiger going to do? Is he going to come back? Is he going to uh, you know, go into oblivion? What's going to happen with him? I think there's a lot of casual fans that want to see how this story turns out. Oh no, no question. I mean, I mean the the idea that Steve Stricker can uh, save the game of uh, professional <laughs> golf is uh, no no indifference to Steve Stricker. I just think it's uh, you know the reality is that Fincham and his team want to have Tiger back as soon as possible. As you say, the you know the the end result will be people watching 
many because they want to see Tiger be successful. A certain healthy number of those people will be wanting to watch to see Tiger fail, and and the ones in between will just be wanting to watch to see what Tiger does. Um, you know, the the people that are still going to be sitting on the sidelines are those corporate sponsors and others who are you know, a little reluctant to be associated with the circus that will um, revolve around Tiger here in the early months, but they will be certainly watching and waiting to see what kind of reaction Tiger gets. And and the soonest that they can see uh, a healthy number of consumers and fans saying, hey, we're glad you're back, Tiger, and we still, you know, love you for what you are, which is a golfer, will will probably mean that uh, that'll be a trigger point for a lot of brands to uh, – start calling uh, Tiger's team and seeing if they can get involved with him from a marketing standpoint moving forward. We're joined by Paul Swangard. He's the managing director of the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Find them online at warsawcenter.com. Paul, let's switch topics. The NCAA tournament, March Madness, gets underway this week. The tournament has really become one of the most lucrative properties in sports. I mean, their TV deal is a multi-billion, with a B, dollar deal, there's talk of expanding the tournament in the future. You know, there's the old adage, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So what do you do here? I, you know, I I would leave it alone, but there's a lot of people who make some good arguments for expanding the field. What would you do? Uh, you know, I would I would continue to keep it where it is. I, you know, I, I think with the, uh, with the addition of the NIT tournament, which is, uh, you know, kind of a sub-brand now for the NCAA, there's an ability to, you know, still provide teams an opportunity to play at the, uh, you know, at the next level, in this case, the second season. Uh, you know, I think 96 teams or whatever the rumored number is just, you know, really just sort of waters down the, uh, uh, you know, the effectiveness of the tournament. And, you know, the the idea that you enjoy a an ownership uh really of a month um you know by adding those 96 teams from a logistical standpoint i'm just wondering if people would simply run out of gas i mean certainly the uh you know probably the biggest issue is how do i build a bracket for 96 teams and what does that have you know what what implications does that have for my office pool um i'm just i'm more of a less is more and uh, my feeling would be the NCA would just be happy with what they have and continue to build that equity and, and leverage, you know, with some of the new revenue streams like um, MMOD, March Madness on Demand, and some of the new digital uh, ways they can deliver the content and, uh, and continue to drive revenue that way. Yeah, by the way, March Madness on Demand, they're expected to top the $30 million mark in advertising, which they reached last year. So that's and none of those people will be watching it from their office computer. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, all right, last topic here. You're a hockey guy. We saw the success of Olympic hockey, epic final between the U.S. and Canada. Um, do you think the NHL can capitalize on this? Is it too late? I mean, I saw Sidney Crosby, who is the hero for Canada, really the face of the NHL. He turned down an opportunity to appear on David Letterman's show this week. I just don't know if the NHL can get it all together to bring in that casual fan, even though hockey was such an exciting part of these past Olympics. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, and as you said, I've I've followed the sport for a long time, and and you know, know a lot of the folks at the NHL front office, and and really, you know, do believe that it's uh, it's a great sport when uh, when fans give it the opportunity, and as as was evidenced by the quality and the excitement of the play that we saw in Vancouver. You know, the fact of the matter is, this is this will continue to be, despite the glory of uh, of the technology of HD TV and perhaps the glory of three dimensional television. Whenever it 
you know, becomes ubiquitous in our society. But, you know, the NHL and hockey is an in-venue experience at its best. And um, with a limited amount of teams and a limited amount of markets, you know, the real opportunity for growing the fan base is really in those markets where you have empty seats. And the casual fan is, is for the most part, not going to sit in front of their TV and first of all, try to figure out where Versus is on their cable channel. Right. That gets you up into very high numbers that a lot of people, you know, struggle with because you know most of us can't pass a uh, hundred when uh, you know when we get to our cable box. But uh, you know, I think the NHL is doing you know what it can. It's uh, you know it's a sport that continues to uh, try to find its voice and its place in the sports marketplace. I, you know, I tend to believe. And probably we get arguments back from the NHL that you know it's it's better in core regions of the country where they should build and uh, and enjoy sort of market ownership. But um, you know they've obviously had uh, you know very strong feelings of building a national footprint in some non-traditional markets. And I just not convinced that even with the success that we saw with the uh, with the championship game for the gold medal that we'll uh, we'll have the NHL. Uh, you know, enjoying the fruits of that labor. And we've already seen television ratings in some cases um, sort of subside back to where they were, uh, you know, before the games were even contested. Well, Paul, that's all the time we have. Uh, Enjoyed very much our first event, the Sports Executive Speaker Series event with Larry Miller, president of the Portland Trailblazers, a few weeks ago. Our next one coming up in May with Larry Scott, the commissioner of the Pac-10 uh, I thought it was great, and the people who attended, uh, we got good feedback, and I thought Larry Miller did a fantastic job. Yeah, I mean, it was just a, a great forum to do something a little bit different than a traditional, you know, speaker event. Uh, you know, the conversation format, you know, afforded some folks to get some interaction. In this case, with somebody who's, um, you know, doing a great job leading an NBA organization, Larry Scott. Uh, will be great as well. He's, uh, you know, re-engineering the Pac-10 conference front office. He's brought in a new CMO, some some new blood that, uh, you know, will have a lot uh, going on in the next uh, couple of years. The new TV deals uh, will begin to be negotiated, and then of course the uh, the oft-rumored discussion of conference ex- expansion. Uh, and I think those are going to be topics that our, uh, our our folks who will be there on that uh, May date, the 26th, will be uh, very excited to hear what Larry has to say about all that. Paul, we know your website's WarsawCenter.com, but you guys are also tweeting. How can people follow you on Twitter? Yeah, they can follow us. Uh, you know, on the it's Warsaw Center on Twitter, and uh, they can even follow uh, me, uh, just first and last name. So we encourage people who have an interest in sort of getting an academic perspective on all things related to the world of sports business uh, to reach out and uh, connect with us, and we'll uh, keep you in the loop as we find the more interesting things that are going on in the sports business, just uh, like you do each and every week here on Sports Business Radio. Paul, always good to catch up, and we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Brian. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is NBA Commissioner David Stern. I thought you did a wonderful job of handling the game ball situation. You listened to your players and the owners, and ultimately I thought you got it right. What did you learn from that experience? It probably pays to go the extra step to build a consensus, even though you don't think 
there's any other view that makes sense. My guest is Jack Nicholas. What are the main lessons the game of golf can teach us if we pay close enough attention? You develop relationships with people. I think you play 18 holes of golf with somebody. You get to know them pretty well. We're joined by Bill Hancock. He's the executive director of the BCS. What we want is for the best two teams to play in the championship game. Beyond that, I'm not sure it's really fair to say what's good for the BCS or or what's bad for the BCS. Follow us at sportsbusinessradio.com and on Twitter at SB Radio. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. My guest is Rick Buecher. He's joined us many times before. He's ESPN's NBA insider. You can read all of his fantastic work on ESPN.com. Rick, thanks for joining us. How have you been? I have been good. A lot going on in the league. Seems like between the the trade deadline and uh, All-Star weekend in Dallas, things haven't slowed down. But hopefully I'll I'll get a little breather here before the, the playoffs begin. But we have... We have LeBron and free agent mania, and I don't know that that's going to go away until sometime after July 1st. So yeah, let, Let's start there with the free agent mania. I mean, it seems like we've been talking about the summer of 2010 <laughs> for five years. <laughs> it's like no this doubt. movie that we're just waiting yep. for it to come out. We're eagerly anticipating what's going to yep. happen, how it's going to play out, and yep. here it comes. And, yep. you know, here's my question. We've seen that – all of these teams have jockeyed to be able to get into position, to be able to yeah. sign LeBron. There's also Dwayne yeah. Wade. There's Chris Bosh. Yeah. Yeah. This is my question. If the Knicks don't sign LeBron James or one of these other superstar players, yeah. how do they not lose their fan base? Because basically they've thrown in the towel the last few years. They've made player trades where they've given away players in order to put themselves in position for this summer. If they don't come away with a big fish, how do you explain that to your fan base? Well, I I believe that Donnie Walsh is already trying to do that in saying that, Hey, look, I never said, and, and technically he's not allowed to, but I've never said that I'm going after LeBron James. I've never said that I'm going after trying to sign two max players. The assumption has been because LeBron loves New York and because the Knicks have been working hard to uh, remove salary and create a uh, salary cap space that uh, that those two things were going to merge. Uh, certainly he's not going to say no to LeBron, but quite honestly, if you look at how the Denver Nuggets reinvented themselves uh, and uh, you can go down down the line. There have been a couple of other teams. Uh, the New Jersey Nets are in, in the midst of that. Um, getting rid of uh, – get, giving yourself cap flexibility and uh, doing sort of what the Oklahoma City Thunder has done um, is, is really the only way that you can rebuild your team. And I dare say that at this time that – uh, you know, the the way things are, and, and and there's been a dramatic sea change since we started talking about this seemingly five years ago, where it was more of a be-all and end-all to go get some max guys this summer. Quite honestly, with the way the owners have come out and what they are looking for in the next collective bargaining agreement, I don't know that it makes any sense to go out and sign two max guys this summer. Now, if you're going to get LeBron James, just the, the marketing value that he has, you have to go and do that. But And, and I wrote a piece for, for uh, ESPN the magazine about this, 
that uh, if they go out and, and people are going to look at it and, and if they go out and they sign LeBron James and Chris Bosh, that essentially is going to be your team under the new collective bargaining agreement. Every single other player that you sign, you will have roughly $30 million to sign the other 10 players, 11 players on your roster. Um, that averages out to $3 million per. That is not a whole lot of money. And so the question is, if you had Bosch and you had LeBron James and you, then you had a cast of minimum wage players, would you be playing for a championship? And if not, is that the smartest way to go? No, I totally agree with you, and I read your piece, and I thought it was excellent. Um, you know, I guess if you're the Knicks, not the Cavs, not the Heat, yep. but the Knicks in New yep. York, yep. it's a TV program. You are getting yep. LeBron James because, A, he's going to increase the value of your franchise the moment yep. he signs on the dotted line. Yep. And B, you know, TV rights are huge in New York. So this is a yep. guy that's going to be able to make you go to the table and get even more money for your TV yep. rights. For everyone else, I agree with what you're saying. For Cleveland, yep. for anyone else, you know, it doesn't make sense to have two maximum guys. But in New York, and that's the situation I'm watching. And for the record, I don't think LeBron's going anywhere. Right. Um, but I just think New York has put so much pressure on themselves because, you know, even though Donnie Walsh says he hasn't promised fans yeah. anything verbally yeah. with his yeah. moves he has yeah, yeah. he absolutely well, and, has and, and and whether he has or not that's what the expect expectation is and that's what he's dealing with and uh and if he didn't want you can't you can't play both sides if he really wanted to he would uh he would have put the kibosh on that right for the beginning but the fact of the matter is we know that they're already selling tickets for next year right with for, uh, to people that are anticipating that LeBron uh, might be there, they've done nothing to douse the possibility on that. I, here's the tricky part. I agree with you wholeheartedly. If you can get LeBron James, you should get LeBron James. But if the if the owners are uh, committed to getting a hard cap, the the big question is, what are you doing to your team? If it costs you not just LeBron James on a max contract, but Joe Johnson or Chris, even Chris Bosh, and now on top of it, you've got uh, everybody else and, and a lot of teams, I'd say at least seven or eight teams, when they saw the way this, with the way the cap was going and the way this summer was going and that there wasn't a whole lot of noise by a lot of these free agents that they were definitively going elsewhere – they all shifted their attention to 2011. And right. I think that was a very smart move because now they will be working under the new salary cap. They will be signing free agents uh, for potentially a third of what the New York Knicks would have to pay for Chris Bosh and LeBron James. And so it, it, you know, it, it, it makes sense from a marketing sense that, that if you can get LeBron, you get him. And if it takes getting, you know, signing another max player, you do that to get him. But your competitive uh, edge uh, is uh, potentially is gone for years to come. And the other part of that to consider is Donnie Walsh looks at this as his last job. And so he feels, at least what he told me was, I want to leave this in a place where it can be a perennial champion. I don't feel the pressure of having to please people 
to get another contract or to get my next job. I want to walk away from it feeling that I've done the right thing. Now, it's going to take a, a certain amount of gumption to do that in, in the face of what fans are, are, are screaming for, but that at least is what Walsh says his intention is. We're joined by Rick Buecher. He's ESPN's NBA insider. Read him on ESPN.com. Rick, let's shift gears and talk about the collective bargaining agreement. We're already hearing the rhetoric at All-Star Weekend. The only time I've ever heard Commissioner David Stern get up and talk about his league in a not-so-flattering context where he says, we're going to lose $400 million. Usually he's talking about, we're selling tickets, we're going to make money, we're doing this right, we're doing that right. He gets up and says, we're going to lose $400 million. Yeah, you know what's funny is though he's trying to he is trying to play both sides of the street because he he is at the same time is going you know what we're really okay we're in good shape we I mean he ticked <laughs> off all the things that they're doing we're opening offices in Africa and we've we've got this going on in India and uh, we've we've signed this and we've done this but you know what when we come to talking about our new collective bargaining agreement do you know that we're losing four hundred million dollars I mean it's it, it is, it's almost comical. The, the way that he's trying to do the two things. And to me, it's some posturing because never, ever, ever before, as you pointed out, has he ever announced what their books are. He's never announced what their, ba- what, what their balance is. And I dare say that this is a, a little bit of deception because you have teams like the 76ers, for example, who are owned by Spectacor, Comcast, and uh, you can't tell me that they don't have – some sort of sweetheart deal, the kind of deal for the TV rights to the, to the 76ers games that skews exactly how much money is being made or not made. And, and I dare say that that's the case in, in a number of places, and it, and it throws everything off. And I, the, the greatest issue that I have, look, I believe that for, from a PR standpoint, they have to get to a place where – if a player does what Gilbert Arenas does, he doesn't get his eighty million anymore. Right. That 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 just from for for a fans the fans look at that and go, that's just not the way the real world works. It's not the way the NFL works. It's not the way it's not the way anything else works. If you do something that egregious, you don't get to keep your millions. Or you, even you pay a price. Yeah. Or even hey, you know, you don't want to be stuck with uh, Tracy McGrady or Jermaine O'Neal right. making twenty plus million dollars. Right. But I will right. say this: the owners sign these deals. They're the ones no, who no, no. did this agreed, to themselves. Agreed. And and so my feeling is: look, you should. I, I'm I'm all for trying to shorten the contracts. Yes. Finding ways to minimize the the financial impact if a guy. Uh, you know, really falls off because of injury or because he does something, um, you know, f- find ways that, that a guy cannot violate rules and still keep all his money. I'm, I'm good with all that. But, but I, where, I, where I stop short with what the owners are proposing is nobody's guaranteed a profit in their business. And that is, is essentially what they are trying to do. They are trying to make this idiot-proof and I dare say that they will fail because somebody will still do something silly uh, in terms of, of signing somebody to something. But if they have a hard cap and they are limiting uh, the LeBron Jameses and the Dwayne Wades and the superstars in this league to $6 million in guaranteed money, um, then you know what? They're going to get pretty close to guaranteeing everybody who owns a team 
a profit. And to me, that's just not it's it's it, you know, it's un-American, if, not, if nothing else. Well, the thing that's going to be interesting, and I've said this uh, for the last few months, is, you know, it seems like when there's a work stoppage, I don't care if it's the NFL or the NBA, the yeah. NBA owners who are getting some TV money, yes, they have to pay it back. And yeah. owners who are billionaires, not millionaires, are yeah. better equipped to oh, yeah. endure a work stoppage oh, than yeah. players who many of them, as you well know, live, some of them, paycheck to paycheck. Yep, yep. No, it's not even close. And, and I mean, look, you've, it's, it, there's also a matter of just policing uh, the image of negotiations. Uh, David Stern says that he will fine any owner who says anything during the course of negotiations. And he has 30 guys that he needs to keep in line. Um, Billy Hunter has no such wherewithal to find anybody, you know, e- even $10,000. And, uh, and he's got 450 guys to, to, uh, to try to corral and, and, and present in the right way. And, and the other part is, is and this, this, you know, this gets to uh, the, the image issue that the NBA always faces, is that there's a, a, a large sector um, – of America that looks at young black athletes making millions of dollars for playing basketball and say, you know what? That's crazy. They, that's th- those are crazy terms. Um, they don't quite have the same feeling about owners who may be inherited their money or, you know, and I, I look at somebody who inherits, inherits billions of dollars. You've hit the lottery probably in a bigger way than a guy who came up from nothing and had to work his butt off to 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 get an NBA contract. Um, they're not all like that, but the, the fact of the matter is, the owners are no more the common guy than NBA players are, and yet I think by and large, the general public side with the owners in cases like this. No, I think you raise a good point. Rick, I wish we had more time. I definitely want to catch up with you during the playoffs and before the free agency period starts. Uh, Rick Buecher, follow him on ESPN.com. How can people follow you on Twitter? It's R-I-C-B-U-C-H-E-R. One of the best people to follow on Twitter, trust me. Rick, thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. You got it, Brian. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Every championship team has one thing in common, good coaching. And I want to be your coach, your media coach. When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I team with former Nike PR director Lee Weinstein to form New School Media Coaching. New School Media Coaching uses a fresh and interactive approach for educating our clients about dealing with today's media landscape. Whether you're an athlete, a coach, or a front office executive in the sports or business world, We'll prepare you for communications with the masses in today's social media world where everything is on the record. And just like any good coach, we'll help you practice your new skills and we'll be there to provide constructive feedback every step of the way. With a combined 40 years of experience, we're veteran coaches, but we use a new school approach. For an overview and a list of our services, visit newschoolmediacoaching.wordpress.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. 
The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. Well, ESPN's Andy Katz reports that two-time national championship and Hall of Fame coach Jim Calhoun is going to return to Connecticut for his 25th season. He agreed to a four-year contract extension with the school this past Thursday. Calhoun, 68 years old. He's battled cancer and some other health ailments. Uh, I'm happy to see him back, but I hope he's not one of these cases where, uh, you know, this job drives him to uh, have bad health. Well, I I think that he's going to be there for the rest of his life. He's going to be one of those guys that dies on the basketball court, and rightfully so. Everybody associates Jim Calhoun with UConn. All right. We have our Sports Business Radio March Madness Bracket Challenge coming up again. And, uh, you know, I'm just going to say it right now. Bobby and Nathan beat me every year at this thing. We compete against our listeners. We're going to put it up on our website at sportsbusinessradio.com. We'll give you the instructions so you can compete against us. We'll come up with a good prize for the winner. And this is the year where I'm going to beat both of you. This is it. You've I, never I, won. I know, this, I'm not saying I'm going to win the whole thing. I, I don't think I'm going to beat some of our listeners. But my goal this year is at the end of the brackets, I want to be on top and have beaten you two. Well, we've had some great prizes in the past. They've usually been uh, video games, 2K sports uh, video games. But uh, I must say that every year almost, I've finished at the top of the three of us. I've, I have not won, but I've come close to winning the whole pool. How do you like them apples, Bobby? You know, I really do like those apples, and I'll tell you this right. You have no chance, Brian, of beating us at all. He's going to pick Loyola to go to the uh, final four. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're not even in the tournament. No, no, exactly. no, remember last year, he had half of the bracket was NIT invites, and he didn't really get the memo that oh, they were Oh, come on now. Go. That's not the truth. Who do you guys like, honestly? Because I'll tell you this. Kentucky and Kansas, I think they're head and shoulders above everyone else. Kansas. So we'll see. All right. Lots of thank yous on our show this week. Rick Buecher from ESPN, Paul Swangard from the Warsaw Center. I want to thank our sponsors, the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon and New School Media Coaching, a podcast reminder. You can catch our show on demand via podcast every week. Go to sportsbusinessradio.com, click on the podcast page. If you have iTunes, type in Sports Business Radio. Our podcast will come up, and you can subscribe automatically every week. Follow me on Twitter at SB Radio. Again, follow our blog this week, sportsbusinessradio.com. We're going to put up the brackets. You can compete against us, and let's get it on. All right, we'll see you next week right here on Sports Business Radio. Have a great week.